for whatever reason, like it's been created that having a sustainable business is not profitable for some reason. I don't know where that idea came from, but I feel like, well, number one is wrong, but also because the way that society is moving, it's really the only way to have a functioning business. So if you're creating practices that are not going to last, then theoretically you cannot have a business that lasts. So creating a sustainable business like on all on all fronts is just better for everyone, but also like just good for your business. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Discover More. This week, we'll be chatting with Sheetal Badaret and Zuri Masood, who are the founders of the Hidden Gems Beverage Company. Sheetal and Zuri are culinary scientists who are extremely passionate about reducing food waste. Their first product line reveal is an antioxidant-rich health drink made from upcycled avocado seeds, and we're super excited to speak with them today. Zuri and Sheetal, welcome to the show. Nice. Thanks for you guys. So we'd like to start with the overall purpose and why of your guys' company. Ben and I are reading Start With Why by Simon Sinek right now, which talks about the importance of having that underlying mission, that thing that you guys are going for. And from what we've heard about the company, what we've read, there's clear that you guys are looking to combat food waste and Mm -hmm. embrace sustainable food. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, so... The whole underlying concept of why this company even exists is that we feel like there is a whole section of the food industry that's really wasteful and that there's so much potential there to change that story and to change that narrative. So with the avocado seeds right now, 15 million pounds of avocado seeds go into landfill because they're too hard to go into a commercial composter and nobody wants to like deal with them. And The idea is that we can take these avocado seeds and convert them into this beverage, which is really good for customers. And then it's good for the economy. And it's also good for the environment because we're able to compost those avocado seeds at the end. So instead of becoming toxins, because people think that it's useless, the moment that you give something value or you believe that it's valuable and treat it with value, it contributes to everything. And that's like the underlying why behind the company because we feel like treating things in this way whether it's a person whether it's resources whether it's the avocado seed can contribute a lot and i think that's how business should be and that's where we see business going in the future creating win-win relationships winning not just in the market but also with what it's doing in the culture Mm -hmm. so where did this idea kind of come from when did you guys link up together and you guys have very different backgrounds i'd like to hear kind of the story of what brought you guys together and then where this idea came from. Yeah, um, well, I connected with Sheetal after she had already kind of got started. So that was mm, like maybe over a year ago. And I was doing my, uh, getting my master's in food science at uh, Drexel University and kind of had saw what she was doing with the avocado seed. You know, she was working on her thesis in that space. And I had known her already from like the first day of school 
me and I had a lot of the same classes. At that point, I knew that I wanted to be involved in food waste in some way. I just like wasn't sure what way that was going to be. And um, like, I hadn't started like seriously applying for jobs or anything. And just after like watching her for a while, I was like, maybe I should just say something. <laughs> be, like Tell her that I'm interested and just like kind of see where it goes. Because at that point, like I had no idea, like, you know, I, we had no idea how things were going to actually turn out. But it was just kind of a feeling that I knew that this is somebody that I could work well with because we already got along so well. We connected and then we ended up getting into the food accelerator program in New York and things like really took off from, from there, I would say. The thing that comes on to mind is when you look at the current society, especially in the U.S., we have this tendency to put entrepreneurship on a pedestal. And mm-hmm. when you look at a lot of business models, a lot of startups and a lot of entrepreneurs, sure, their brilliance and their work ethics and their intelligence aside, I think a lot of the people have the tendencies to use entrepreneurship as the foundation, as their core, and then seeking passion or seeking a cost through that. But you guys are doing the opposite. You guys are have a core foundation of passion and purpose in place and using entrepreneurship as the bridge to achieve that outcome and that cause, which I think that sets you guys apart. Because in the book that we're reading, as Aiden talked about during the uh, conversation, is that the reason why starting with why is important because only once you've identified your why, your motivation, intrinsically so, then the hows and the whats will come along very naturally. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, that book was written like 15 years ago and many businesses are still doing the opposite. They're Mm -hmm. focusing the hows and the whats. Many of the businesses fail or they fail to live up to their potential because they don't have the why. And we have your drinks in front of us. And since this is an audio-only platform, I do want to say to the listeners that the aesthetics of the bottles and the taste and the flavors and the ingredients and the nutrition are all very, very evident that you guys put tremendous amount of effort, research, and your passions and your purpose are shown through the bottles and the packaging and the flavors. So I do want to say that for the listeners, but that's something that came to my mind. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, like when I talk about like the why behind why I get up every morning and I'm okay to do this, not even okay, I'm excited to work on this idea. It's like, I talk about it sometimes. I think that I should probably start my days with investor meetings because like they ask me all these questions and I'm like explaining, I'm like, you know, this is why we do what we do and this is why we get up and this is why we're okay staying up till 4 a.m., you know, (laughs) trying to figure out how we're going to do stuff or like, you know, labeling till four o'clock in the morning because we have to fulfill an order and we didn't get to label at the facility. So like, why? I don't know. It gives me goosebumps every day. And I'm like, I would never do it any other way. I can't imagine having to go through entrepreneurship without being a hundred percent like grounded and like feel that why, because I would have given up such a long time ago. Yeah. That was actually, it reminded me of, um, and I had told you about this maybe, I don't know, a month ago I was on Twitter and, uh, there was a thread question was like why businesses fail or like what is the top reason why, why businesses fail and one of the things that was came up in the comments a lot was people get burnt out and having a business is such a marathon sort of process like there's it's like always a, a situation of two steps forward one step back like constantly the whole time that you're there so it's like if you if the only thing that's motivating you is money like it's really hard to sustain that so we spent a lot of time on the why and like why we wanted to do this, why this was important to us. And I feel like that really kind of helps push us every day. Because if, I mean, 
there's plenty of days I wake up and I don't want to do anything. Like, I would rather, like, watch TV or, like, go outside or, like, get something to eat. But just, like, having that why and, like, knowing that this is something that I... Like, if I wasn't doing this, what, what would I be doing? One of the things that you mentioned that I'm really curious about that I think undertones all of this is why is food sustainability so important to you guys? I mean, was it specific experiences that you guys had growing up? Was it, like, a specific fact that you guys learned in your culinary education? But... What about this whole food movement excites you guys so much? Personally, I think it's just um, the amount of waste that happens in our country is just like pretty outstanding with a lot of things, but especially food. And I think that for me, it was a thing of like, almost just like logically what things make sense. There's, I feel like a lot of the the solutions that people are coming up with in terms of trying to... Um, help solve like the food hunger problem has to do with creating more food and that's not something that we actually really need to do we just need to use what we already have in a smarter way like this is a a very small step in that direction because like it's it's a drink and you know like there's other things that help feed people but i think it has more to do with just the change in mindset and the change in the way that people are looking at food so even if it's something that you're doing at home like for most people that cook like Anytime you're making something from scratch, you have, like, scraps left over. And a lot of times, like, there are things that you could do with those scraps that, but we have just learned over time that just to throw, at least in this country, to just throw them away because either they're not useful. And even, like, the culinary world, not even only fine dining, but, like, culinary has to do with the way that food tastes, but also the way that it looks. So, like, making things that are very uniform. So you have a lot of scraps left over and those things go into the trash. So it's just, like, about finding a way to use those things in a better way. And I feel like that mindset can also just transfer into everything else. You're the person who controls what things are valuable and what things are not valuable. And just because someone else says that they're not valuable doesn't mean that that's true. So I started my career as a personal stylist and it actually starts there, which is a very random start to like why I do anything with food waste. But people would come to me to essentially make their lives better. That's why they were at a personal stylist in the first place. They wanted to be happier. They wanted to, you know, be able to achieve more. They wanted to be more self-loving in whatever way. And as I went through my personal styling journey and I was working with customers, I kind of found that like they're coming to me for something so much deeper than what like going to the salon and getting like a new haircut or like going to the store and getting like a new wardrobe. Like I can't fix that with this. What I can do though, was to work with these people to create like systems that would really work for them. So whether that's like a system of how to take care of yourself, whether that's a workout routine or whether that's like a nutrition routine or like how to give yourself self-love and like how to deal with the voice in your head and that inner critic. So. I used to work with people like across this and I used to like work with nutritionists and uh, fitness trainers and everyone to like create this plan for them and the people that really went through this saw like magnificent changes in their life and I think one of the most important pieces of all of that always came back down to the food like when people ate nutritious healthy food like they had the energy to execute all of these other plans and ideas that they had and that's when i fell in love with food in general was the fact like how powerful food can be to a human and it's not just something that we do for like survival but like if it's treated well like 
it can change everything about you. It can change the way that you look. It can change the way that you carry yourself. It can change the energy that you have. It can change your mood. Like it can change everything. And that's why I started my cold pressed juice business was because I felt such a powerful connection to food. And that's how I got introduced to food waste because I would buy a pineapple and be in love with this. I was like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful pineapple I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And I would stick it into the juicer and like three seconds later, it's a pile of garbage. Like that's what I'm supposed to throw away. I was like, no way. Because three seconds ago, I was in love with this pineapple and now I'm not in love with it anymore. Now it's worthless. Um, so that's how I got started on the journey to figure out what I can do with like what's left. And I'm at Drexel University to study that and to, to learn basically the food science part of it and also the coloring part of how I can take stuff that people would have thrown away and to convert it into something else that would be valuable and stumbled across the avocado seeds. So for me, that was the journey. It's like a long, very weird, random journey to where I ended up now. And I hate it. I can't stand the fact that like when you grow an avocado, you grow the whole thing, but you only eat the pulp and the rest of it is worthless. That makes no sense to me. Definitely. Uh, your story like resonates with me deeply because I've been going through a very like similar food journey of just like quite literally food is what makes us up. Like the fats you eat mm -hmm. create the cells in your brain, the cells in your body. And it really is all unconnected. Like generally I just started a health coaching company and the idea is both the mind and the body kind of working together. And often a workout routine can then lead to people eating healthier. Or yeah. similarly, if you're eating healthy, then you, you want to go to the gym. You have the energy to go work out. And then when you're doing the two of those, then you show up with your friends and family better. It's just like all like a synergistic kind of cycle. And then similarly, like that, I guess, is the micro of food's role in people specifically. But then on a larger scale, there's also the synergies of how food leads to equality across education, across socioeconomic statuses. Like it's basically almost like the centerpiece of so many of the problems that we're seeing. Because if people aren't eating good food, like food deserts, for example, I mean, Philly definitely has a huge struggle with food deserts, getting accessible food, mm -hmm. vegetables, fruits, that automatically almost like disadvantages from a baseline, you know, and it's yeah. so hard to overcome. So it's definitely admirable kind of the mission that you guys have because it's addressing all of those things it's helping the person on a personal and identity level but then also the culture on a like systemic level yeah to echo what aiden just talked about and shida what you just shared it sounds like both of you when specifically with your story you were able to identify the the symptoms of the surface level problems that your clients were dealing with who came to your personal styling to better their lives obviously for them with their, their limited insights and limited experience, they thought to better their lives is by working on their aesthetics and their appearances. And that's true. When you look good, you do feel good. That's definitely a component of that. But I think people and society as a whole have the tendencies to skew towards a micro aspect of the entire systematic issues. And I can speak to that with my current policy work. The reason why the current political climate is so polarized and so complex because there's array of nuances that are being overlooked. And it's being overlooked because of multitude of factors. Most people don't do their research and many people, the easy thing to do is to focus on one specific issue and focus on that issue only. But then they neglect and negate the fact that all those issues are interconnected. Mm -hmm. Just like in your journey, the aesthetics, how people look comes down to their food choices, come down to what they eat, the nutrition, the 
once you feel good, you will look good. Right. That's like the reverse engineering of that process. It's like the starting with why and the hows and the whats will work out fine. But oftentimes people have the tendency to focus on the whats and the hows and forget to dig deep into the, what their why is. And it's the same thing for mental health mm-hmm. aspect, right? Many people who come to Aiden for coaching or other coaches that we know of, they go to them for physical muscle compositions, physical health, workout routines. But one after a while, if you have the humility and the self-awareness to do so, you realize it's so much deeper than that, yeah. right? Your physical health is the symptoms and the indication of your mental health. And many of the times, mental health is the root cause of everything, which is the reason why I'll be pivoting from my policy into mental health within the next year. Uh, once again, it speaks to the reason why it's important to have a why. Well, I think that's also just like a huge like part of the core foundation of what, what, what we're trying to do is like, because like you said, everything is connected. And it's kind of really profound that so many people function in society like everything isn't connected. So creating circular systems and like reminding people that, okay, the way that you do business or the way that you treat food is going to have some sort of effect on other things in life. And so when we are able to take the avocado seed and use it and then after that be able to compost it instead of throwing it into the landfill, it's something that adds back into society again through the environment, but also like economically, you know, creating jobs and creating all these other systems with the drink. So I think it's really important to just as a whole, remember that everything is connected. Like nothing that we do is is cut off. from. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know why we do that all the time. Yeah. I don't have that mindset. It's really weird. I mean, I don't think we ever grew up like that. I mean, we didn't grow up like realizing that when you go to the grocery store and then you buy something, that money is going to someone who is doing something in a specific way. Like we don't, we haven't seen that. I don't remember as a kid ever like following the journey of a strawberry or anything. Like I didn't know where it came from. It was like, if you had to ask me like, oh, like do strawberries grow on trees? Like I probably would have said yes. You know, how do I know where a strawberry grows? Um, Like when I was a kid, I had no idea. And I would have been like, oh, you go to the grocery store. Like, okay, where did the grocery store get it? And I'd be like, oh, uh, from a tree. Like, I I feel like as we're growing up, we weren't exposed to that. Like no one talked about it. And I think that's a piece of the problem is that as we were growing up, like it was just more and more hidden away. Like the less you knew about it, the better and the fancier it looked and less problems we would have with throwing something away because we didn't know where it was coming from we didn't know the people that worked in the fields to make this happen and that's why when you throw something away you don't feel that bad because you're not connected to them but if you did know that story then you would feel really bad and I think people didn't want to feel that way so they started to move things more into the background and kept it hidden. I recently finished the book uh, Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene and in the book he talks about He's a really esteemed author. He studies human nature. And he talks about the idea of being myopic and being forward thinking. And he argues that it, it is not in our human nature to have that forethought because of our evolutionary DNA, right? If you think about it, it's not that long ago we were tribal creatures. Mm-hmm. Like we were still fighting for survival, killing each other. And we are genetically wired to think about the imminent threat, mm-hmm. right? But now since we have the leisure and the cushions of most of our world problems have been diminished and conquered besides cancer, besides mortality, besides a few collective issues, even world hunger issues and deep poverty has been resolved in many places of the world. Not all, but it has huge improvement. And that's the reason why he states that it's hard for everyone to relate to climate change and environmentalism because it is so far away. Mm. 
And so humans aren't wired like that to think far. Yeah. So yeah, with that being said, uh, we do want to ask you more about like what goes behind to the product of Reveal Drink. And I know you two mentioned and talked about utilizing the avocado seed rather than just the avocado where, I mean, we both love, who doesn't love avocado? <laughs> uh, until we had these conversations that lead to this interview, I never thought about, wait a minute, avocado seed is like the two third of the whole avocado yeah. that's being entirely wasted and being disposed for. So we would love to know some of the mechanics, mechanism, science, and the process that goes behind this reveal drink. Through lots of research, uh, we found that the avocado seed has 57% of the antioxidants of the entire fruit. Yeah. So anytime you eat an avocado, you're only getting about 5%. What people know about avocados is like that they're good for us. And a lot of that has to do with more so with the fats that you're getting. But uh, there's a whole other part, which is the antioxidants, which you're pretty much just throwing directly into the trash anytime you eat one. So that was kind of a catalyst to figure out, okay, well, how antioxidants are living in the sea. Like, how can we benefit from them? Because eating them as a whole is probably not the best thing. So then it's like, (laughs) okay, well, we can find a way to extract those out. And so we're able to do that in this drink. So this drink is packed with antioxidants from the process that we use. And then, again, after we're uh, done with the avocado seed, we're able to compost it. But there's also some monk fruit in there, which helps with some sweetness. So it's sugar-free. And then we also use apple cider vinegar and malic acid. And those kind of help lower the pH of the drink, but also really, like, add to the flavor. We did, like, a lot of testing with um, different forms of acids and things like that. And those two just really tasted the best. Definitely. And apple cider vinegar has its own host of health benefits that's great for everybody. Its own antioxidants and health benefits. Uh, The food nerd in me wants to hear about this distill. Like, how do you distill a seed that is physically hard? And like, what does that look like? Like, how do you guys get the tangible benefit out of something that's being thrown out and really hasn't been recognized for benefits? So the distillation process is actually what we're filing for a patent on, so I can't talk about it. (laughs) But what I can tell you is that it's similar to brewing beer, um, like the first stages of brewing beer. So that's how we brew it. Mm -hmm. And what was the second part of your question? I wanted to say something to that. Like your guys' own experience of like how you guys recognize that you could distill stuff out of something that no one else Mm -hmm. really even considered was a possibility. I guess the first step was to find out that there were even antioxidants in it. And that was like a pretty easy guess because if there's so many fats and fats are really susceptible to oxidation. oxidation. So that's what happens when you cut into an avocado, you leave it outside for like five minutes, it comes back, it's brown. It's because of the uh, oxidation that's happening. So it was just like the first thing in my mind to go look for antioxidants in the seed and the peel, which in general, in fruits and vegetables, the seed, the peel, the leaves are going to be really high in antioxidants. Well, actually, not always the seed, the peel and the leaves because they are facing the sun Mm -hmm. and the UV rays hit these things and they don't want to like ruin the DNA of the cells. So they tend to have a lot of antioxidants um, because... UV rays cause free radicals. That's a whole story um, on its own. So the first thing that I was looking for was antioxidants. And then when I found out that like 95% of the antioxidants are in the seed and the peel of the avocado, that just blew my mind. I was just like, this is crazy. How are we throwing this away? How did somebody not realize that like, this is so full of stuff? And then going back into the history in like Mexico and in Nigeria, where avocados were like 
have been around for centuries. They actually use an avocado seed like tea, very mm. similar to what we have to treat like high blood pressure, to treat diabetes. They would take like a piece of the avocado seed and put it on like a tooth if you had a toothache because they have a lot of antibacterial properties. So there's a lot of really cool stuff that people used to do. And I think that's also like with traditional medicine, I'm very fascinated by it. I don't know a lot about it, but I'm very fascinated. Is that like they somehow had a way to figure out that like this is good for this, which now looking back, it's like, oh yeah, obviously right. because it's antimicrobial. So I think that's like a really cool part of like deciding that like there is some real value here and there has to be some way. So the first, the first iteration of this product, believe it or not, was actually a tea bag. It was like, we went through that whole process. Like I did my master's thesis on figuring out what we can do with the avocado seed. So I had so many questions in my mind. I was like, okay, do I grate them? Do I chop them? Do I grind them? Like, how do I use them? And then do I stick it in cold water? Do I stick it in hot water? How hot should the water be? How long should I brew it for? And like, even there, are they like, do I brew it? Do I like get rid of the water? Do I do like a second brew? Like, what do I do with it? And how do I process it in a way that, you know, creates a product that people are excited about that is palatable and still like a customer, like, because beverage is the most competitive space, like Pepsi and Coke, like they pay hundreds and thousands of dollars to get like the prime shelves. So there's very little shelf space left for other companies. And like, you have to have a really strong messaging and you have to have a strong reason why somebody would buy your product versus somebody else's product. And you have to be able to communicate that on a label, which is not that much space. (laughs) (laughs) So just going through that whole process. So when we were developing this, uh, we actually taste tested our product and our formulations with 700 customers before we even came to the stage of putting it into a bottle. So you guys had to like see and know that it worked, that there was interest behind it before exactly. even going down. Because I'm sure the entrepreneurial like process of getting it into a bottle, doing the packaging is like a whole nother venture. Yeah. It's almost testing the product, its efficiency and its likability first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also the safety of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So avocado seeds are actually not gender recognized as safe by the FDA. So I had to go through that whole process of figuring out what's in the avocado seed. Are there any toxins? Am I extracting these toxins? Is the process that I'm using to extract these avocado seeds, are they going to extract the toxins from the avocado seed? And if so, how many? And like, how do I make sure that they are not extracting it? Or do some seeds have more toxins than other seeds? So going through that whole like study of the safety study, basically, um, was a really interesting part of the journey. Um, And that was all part of my master's thesis. And after I did that, getting my, I think it was just at the end of getting the journey recognized as safe, that's when Zuri joined me. And that's when we started to work together on the business side of stuff. But for the first two years of the product's life, it was just basically like, can we do this? If so, how is it safe? Who can we give it to? Why would somebody drink this and trying to, find that space of like what format would this be in Mm -hmm. yeah that's remarkable and i think there's definitely a lot to unpack there Uh, just to respond to what you just said about you spend two years in the research even before the product Uh, that reminds you of what einstein said he says that when he works on a problem he spends 95 percent of his time and effort thinking about the problem 
and actually spends 5% of his time to actually execution of the problem, which is what it sounds like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that shows in the packaging, the taste and the benefits of this. So I definitely want to highlight that. And to go a little bit deeper, I love the multidisciplinary approach you two took with this product. You guys study the history of Mexico's other ancient cultures and it's unfortunate that even with the medical system now, like my girlfriend, she would be a medical doctor within the next six months. And it's perplexing and baffling to see that medical students and doctors don't study about nutrition. That's not part of the curriculum. That's not part of the, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> baffling, right? And then that's the reason why some doctors recognize that and they go with the functional medicines or yeah. uh, lifestyle medicine. Nonetheless, the whole Western medicine as a whole is, of course, one of the most effective approach to medicine, period. However, because they're so great and because they've been uh, proven to be so effective, they have the dismissive nature. Look at Eastern medicines or mm -hmm. other ancient cultures like shamans and Mayans. And, you know, um, despite what you think about shamanism, if you truly know about their spiritual implications, their medicine, the usage of uh, herbologies and the herbs, all those are there's a reason why they've been around for thousands right. of years. And there's a reason why ancient cultures utilize those for many, many years. And simply for the Western culture and Western medicine to dismiss those, it's, it's just not practical and not smart. And you can see that being played out in the US, right? Because they're so disproportionately focused on the one approach to medicine and functional health, they're going to inevitably neglect other parts. And I, it, it is, Awesome to see you guys are taking the multidisciplinary approach to trying to dissect and tackle the issues with multiple approaches. And I think that's the right way to approach, at least from the business and from the health benefits of the product. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why things are going to be successful. But also, I just think that when working with something that the food industry hasn't worked with before, it would just not be very ethical to approach things in a like lackadaisical way. Because the facts are that because no one has used this before, there were a ton of questions that needed to be answered and, and things that we like just didn't know what was going to happen. So, I don't know, just step into it in a very almost like, almost arrogant way, like, oh, we found this seed and we're gonna make this drink and like, we're just gonna put it on the shelves. Like that wouldn't be safe for anybody. I do 100% agree. Like the food is medicine kind of concept is just, I think, Fundamental, what Ben alluded to a lot is that Western medicine is very effective, but typically it's around like emergency medicine. If yeah. I got in a car accident, I'd love to have Western medicine on my side, but like if I was trying to heal from diabetes and mm -hmm. they give me insulin, I wouldn't like that case. You know, I think there's emergency solutions when that's necessary, but the long standing effects I think is almost a different effect. And history doesn't lie, right? right. You guys said the Mexican cultures, like it was done that way for a reason in a lot of ways. Uh, so I would kind of like to hear about maybe some of the challenges that you guys faced, because I'm sure, like you guys alluded to, it hasn't been done before. I can imagine there are a lot of challenges from whether that's the research side, the development side, the sales, like just what are some of the big things that come to mind? Entrepreneurships seems all fun and games and like amazing to have your own company and be able to like live your purpose, but there's got to be definitely yeah, difficulties. We were just talking about that. You were just yeah. talking about history, yeah. No, I mean, I guess the first time when we started to look for avocado seeds to like get them at a larger scale, it was like we called people who like have guacamole pants or whatever. And we were like, hey guys, like we want your avocado seeds. And they were like, so you want avocados? Like, no, I don't want the avocado, I want the seed. And they're like, 
to grow and I was just like so you want like little saplings I was he's like we don't do that I was like no 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 I just I want the seed I don't want a sapling I don't want a tree I just want the seed and they were just like I don't know what you're talking about like we don't do that we don't have those here I was just like yes you do I mean I know you have them that was like the first challenge was to get people to like comprehend even that like okay this is what I actually want like the part that you're throwing away and the second part of it was like once we got over that stage then they were like they had all these questions which are perfectly valid questions but like we just didn't have answers to like okay how do we wash them how do we clean them how much water is it going to take how many seeds can we fit into a like a box how many seeds can we put onto a pallet like what format should those be in and like you know pallets have a particular weight that you can put onto them so it's just like all of these like little details of like even like how many seeds can we put into a kettle how much water can we put in there like what is the maximum strength concentrate that we can make or whatever um so it's just like all these like it's probably simple math but we literally had to like measure out a box stick avocado seeds in there put the lid on top and like weigh the box and say like okay and count the number of seeds and then like extrapolate it and say like okay potentially like and we like filled this box i think it was like 10 times and then we took like the average number of seats and the average amount of weight and like it was just some really random questions I guess they're not random they're, yeah. they make sense but it was just questions that I feel like had I asked for an avocado somebody had already figured all of this stuff out right. um, and they would know exactly it would have been prepared and we're doing it from scratch yeah with mm-hmm. no information about because no one knows what's the average weight of an avocado seed well we do know yeah Yeah, bringing that entirely new perspective to it. And then similarly, like your guys' perspective was around the food benefits and the food sustainability of it. But then the restaurants who are dealing with shipping these things introduce you guys to the new like logistics perspectives that you might not have thought about. There was like a, a very large part of this that was logistically just a huge question mark. And there are still like questions that we're like still trying to figure out. But another thing that we had to figure out was, okay, when we actually found a restaurant that could give us seeds on a weekly basis. How are we going to go and get them? What kind of container are they going to put them in? How long do they need to, like, what, what state do they need to be in at the, um, at the restaurant? Do they need to be refrigerated? Do they need to be frozen? Okay, they need to be frozen, but restaurants only have a certain capacity of refrigerated and frozen space. A lot of that is dedicated to their own food. So now, okay, we have to probably size that down and, like, okay, we can pick up smaller amounts, but that that means we need to go more often. There's all this stuff that we kind of just had to figure out along the road. And like Ashita was saying that if we were working with a product that was already used all the time, we would have probably just could have looked it up on Google. Definitely. And like even shelf life. Um, What's the shelf life of an avocado seed? If it's got puff on it, if it doesn't have puff on it, if it's outside, if it's uh, refrigerated, if it's frozen, like this is stuff that we've had to like study and create these like charts and like projections and like this is what we think and this is how we think and we do all these tests and that's I think one of the reasons why a lot of the sustainable foods if you look at it are more expensive than like a regular food because there's so much R&D and like building that goes behind being able to build a product like this because we had to do that from scratch so every single test that we do is like a study that maybe costs like three thousand or four thousand or five thousand dollars we had to go through 
$15,000 of testing just to prove like the safety of it. And that was after me doing a lot of the preliminary testing on my own at the lab as my master's thesis. Um, and still like there's certain stuff that I just couldn't do. And then I convinced the people at the geology department at Drexel to do like the mineral component analysis for me. And they just did it for me for free. Like I got as much as I could done from other people that would like be interested to help me and like thought the idea was cool. But like, I can't even imagine having to have done this without like the financial backing or without like something like being at a university where I could you know, use the resources that were like, if I was on my own and I didn't have like a dad that was giving me a million dollars to put into this, like I have no idea how it would even been possible. Yeah. I don't know how we would have done this if we weren't in school. I don't, I don't know. Think if so. it would have been done. It wouldn't <laughs> have been done. Yeah. We're both pretty spiritual and we do believe that things happen for a reason. This exact sequence are supposed to happen. Everything you two are alluding to is screaming and yelling once again the power of why right like because oftentimes when you have a powerful enough why like if you look at dr martin luther king like his famous statement of i believe people didn't necessarily believe or subscribe to martin luther king as a person they subscribed to his idea but they didn't believe in him they believed in themselves they believed that there has to be a difference in civil rights and a progression of society as a whole same for you two you're able to receive help and assistance and support within the school aside from your networking skills and your thesis whatever is because whoever helped you sure they believed in your persuasions and believed in you too as a partnership but i think they believed in themselves that they believed it is a worthy cost to tackle and they're simply using you too as an outlet to achieve mm-hmm. that which once again talks about the power of why right and during our discovery call a few weeks ago uh, as soon as i heard about your mission statements your purpose and the ethos of why you guys are doing this and why you guys are trying to utilize the whole piece of avocado seed rather than just the avocado that we're so accustomed to. And all those questions you two just asked, I've never thought about those questions (laughs) and they've not even surfaced in my consciousness, right? And Aiden and myself, we believe uh, the quality of questions leads to the quality of answers. Mm. And you have to ask better questions to have better answers in life. And it sounds like you two have exactly done that homework and done that diligence to do that. And so during our conversations before the interview, uh, when you're talking about you're trying to utilize and transform seemingly useless component of avocado seed into this practical and meaningful product, uh, remind me of an article I read, and I will send you guys the link after. I think you guys will appreciate it. There is this person in Ghana, and he is the first person who utilized coconut waste into uh, charcoal production. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. so, nice, like the husk? Yep. So he realized there's, especially in Ghana, you see coconut being sold everywhere on the streets. It's the most ubiquitous product in Ghana on the street as a drink. And he realized there's so much waste in coconut. Like people, if you look at coconut, despite their size, the liquid is maybe like 30%. Yeah. And 70% is the the shelf, the surface, the white part. I don't know what they're called. And so he asked a question that not many people asked. Just like you two have asked the question of, oh, wait a minute, not just an opportunity point of view, but is it worth asking why are people wasting the seed? And for him, he asked, it's such a waste. There has to be a way to utilize these coconuts. So he started experimentations and he realized that it's very possible because he had the audacity and humility to ask the questions. 
the answer she got is it is very possible. And now he owns the largest charcoal factory in Ghana,、nice. and he uses entirely the waste of coconuts, and it's very sustainable. And he gets them for free. I don't know the logistical aspect、mm-hmm. of your operation, but he gets all the coconuts for free. And because Ghana is a developing country, they don't have the transportations or the efficiency that we do. So the transportation is an issue. But for the coconut sellers, it's awesome for them to also dump their coconut waste into his factory versus the land waste because it's actually farther for them to travel. So it's a win-win scenario. So I love to talk about the early process of your journey of the experimentation aspect, and yeah, the some of the process that came along with it. I mean, can I say something about? I want to say something about、uh, what you were saying about him asking the right question. I always feel like that moment when I stopped to I made a whole case of avocados into guacamole and I had like this huge bowl of seeds and peels and I was just like, I wonder what I can do with this. And just that one thought was literally like a big bang in my head. It was like, it was like this. Rather than time just being like, okay, I make my guacamole, I put this into a bowl, and then I it goes from the bowl into the trash, and then I forget about it for the rest of its life. I like stopped in a, for one moment, and I was just like, oh, and it opened up this world of possibilities. Like after doing that and going into the research of like, oh, what can we do? I found out so much cool information apart from just what I'm doing right now. But it's like there are so many antioxidants in here that can be used for cosmetic purposes. There could be a potential for medicine with like like I was saying like in ancient Mexico and in Nigeria they use it to treat type diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol.、Um, there is something there. They don't know what it is yet, but there is something there. You can make an activated charcoal out of the avocado seed and. Avocado seeds, when you put them in water and you like boil them, they actually extract heavy metals from the water, so they can be used to purify water. And it was like whole universe that was just hidden from me, because I had never thought to explore it. And I think that idea haunts me all the time as I'm going through my life. Oh, am I missing out on something like that is going to be so fascinating? Am I missing out on a person? Am I missing out on a story? Am I missing out on some fabulous potential because I haven't stopped for a moment from making the decision or the assumptions that I've like lived my life with? And if I challenge my own assumptions, like it can change everything. And I think it excites me. I love to go through my day like, oh, I wonder what I can find today. <laughs> Very much so. I think that really speaks to the power of curiosity, right?、Mm-hmm. Because I, that thought must have been thought before, but it's like not allowing like society stories and like expectations around. Oh, we just throw these out, you know. But you took like the curious path of, okay, what can we do? I'm not gonna like. Listen to what has been done before, and I think that applies to anything. Like、mm-hmm. I'm sure loads of people around have different ideas of oh, what if this happens? But really allowing yourself to like go into that gates as you referred to it, gates of knowledge, gates of curiosity,、uh, which really speaks to that. And I think to echo what you guys have been saying a little bit is the idea of when a mission is like big enough, then people want to help out. Yeah, and I want to hear from you guys about what that's been like. Like. Uh, there's an entrepreneur from India called Naveen Jain, and he has a company called Viom. And his mission with Viom is to make chronic disease completely optional. And obviously, that sounds like an incredible mission. But his whole like what it is is a gut experimentation process where it's a stool sample, and they give you a complete makeup of what your microbiome looks like and what foods to eat and avoid in order to optimize your microbiome and then not get sick. 
So he basically alludes to because his mission was so grand and so powerful, that sounds good to everybody. People are leaving their jobs at like federal governments, like high up companies just to go work for that mission they believe in. So in your guys' experience, do you find people jumping into this mission, finding it important, whether that's restaurants you're working with, investors, like, well, I'm sure you have to answer a lot of questions and give them a lot of numbers as to why this is a good look, but are you finding that mission is giving people receptivity to your guys' purpose and product? Yeah, I would say so. I think we've gotten an amazing response and um, we've put a lot of work into like the why of our company and the mission of our company. And I can't remember what it says on our website because we wrote it a long time ago. But like one of the things, like you, you guys just kept saying words that we've we have in our in our mission. Like it's like be curious, be audacious, be like be creative, and like all of these things that you guys are saying are things that we are the type of community that we want to build because these are qualities that we believe in. I think because we have a mission that is has been incredibly receptive to people, we've gotten people that just want to help us out. We, have, we met someone off of Instagram that went, wanted to design our box. Like, being able to work with restaurants who are just giving us their seeds for free, like, that is a huge deal. And um, I feel like most people that we've talked to have been super, super excited to, like, just offer us anything that anything. they could possibly offer us just to help us out. And so it's been incredibly refreshing, but it's also... I think it has a lot to do with, again, our mission, but like the type of energy that we're putting out and we are actively thinking and trying to create relationships with people that are beneficial in both spaces and not like, oh, I want you to help me, so I'm going to help you, but we're humble enough to be asking questions to people and we know that there's information that we don't know and when someone helps us, it's like, oh, we want to give you, give you something too. And I think when you create an environment like that, it, people are incredibly receptive. And yeah, yeah I think that's. I mean, like success. even in terms of like our fundraising side of it, normally founders hate fundraising, normally. And I personally have struggled with it for a while. Like, um, I feel like I've been fundraising the whole year. Um, <laughs> I have talked to so many people, but like I was telling you guys earlier, like lately, I've been really enjoying the conversations that I have because I feel like. Our community of even investors is like really coming together. People who see the vision, like in the beginning, um, that was like before we had our branding, our packaging, like we didn't have all of this stuff together. It was all just like work in progress. And at that time I would have a lot of people that would be like, oh, you've got to add sugar to this. Like there's no way anybody's going to buy this. And I was like, no, I'm never going to add sugar to my product because it's not like, it's not who I am. And it's not like, I will not feed something to someone if I wouldn't feed it to myself or to my brother or to my mom or to somebody that I really love. So if it isn't something that I 100% am behind and I'm never going to give my mom or my dad something that's like full of sugar, like no way. So I was like, I'm not going to put something out there. And I've actually fought with investors when they've told me stuff like, oh, there's no way you're going to be successful if you don't add sugar to it. And I'm like, no way in hell, like I'm going to show you. You're going to regret it. Like, <laughs> 10 years from now, have you seen those websites that, like, are these, um, I don't know if you guys have, like, looked up VCs and sometimes they're like, oh, we passed out on, you know, we passed up on an opportunity to invest in Uber or whatever. And, like, and I was just like, you know, one day you're going to have my name up there and you're going to be like, oh, we missed out on an opportunity because you thought that I should add sugar to a product and that's not where the world is going. So, like, that's how it used to be. But I think as 
the brand and the community and like like she said like really conscious about the every detail of the company and how we do business and how we want to set up this whole company and like I've already thought about stuff that like I can't implement right now but like we will like like the bank that we use like right now we use like a, just a regular bank but there are banks that do sustainable stuff there's like you know uh banks that like use only like they carbon offset whatever stuff they have and I'm like oh my god we should be banking with these kind of banks when it comes to packaging like we've already found a tape that is completely biodegradable I'm like yes we're gonna use this kind of tape like it's just to the like the biggest things and to the smallest things and I think when you are able to to package that and to communicate it to somebody in a precise and concise way, I think people get excited. And that's what we've been seeing lately. Like we got one of our investors that just like introduced us to somebody who is like an investor in Hint and like Hint Water. And um, like way, way, way late. Like she had no reason to meet me at all. Cause their like minimum check is like some a million dollars and like a crazy amount but like she sat with me and she talked to me for an hour and now she's introducing me to all of these people because she thinks that that we could benefit from talking to all of these people and she wants to see our success which is exciting like that's yeah. what we want we want as many people that will cheer for us because I think that's the only way that things could become successful is because people want it and everything right. is about people well, we're at Discover More equally behind you. Like it's an incredible product and what really like there's a vision. I think that's just from this conversation we're having. It's clear that you guys have a vision of not only the health benefits, but like the economic and societal benefits of what like you mentioned the circular flow of it all. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it helps the societies. It helps the restaurants. It helps the environment. So there's really that vision, but then also like, it's clear that you guys are living by your values, right? Like if you guys showed up here with plastic bottles, it, it wouldn't have been right. aligned with what you guys are doing. Like and we, we thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of time on figuring what type of bottle we were Yeah, gonna but use. it's clear that you guys are like <laughs> acting from the values. You guys mentioned the recycled tape, just kind of embracing that sustainable ethos in everything that you guys are doing, both the product, the operations, based on the way businesses are like moving it seems like that's the way you're kind of uh, the principle of voting with your dollar. You're putting money towards the causes, the beliefs that you also align with. You know, all of the best companies, even like Apple, they kind of embrace that whole, you're voting for a value of like innovation and experimentation, you know, and I think that really speaks to the way you guys are conducting the business. Yeah. And I think um, for whatever reason, like it's been created that, having a s sustainable business is not profitable for some reason. I don't know where that idea came from, but I feel like, well, number one, it's wrong. But also, because the way that society is moving, it's really the only way to have a functioning business. So if you're creating practices that are not going to last, then theoretically you cannot have a business that lasts. So creating a sustainable business like on all on all fronts is just better for everyone but also like just good for your business <laughs> yeah and i'm excited about a piece that i don't like you guys haven't brought up but i want to talk about is that like it's a women-owned company i'm in love with this i'm in love with this for many reasons so one of the things that at my previous company at the personal styling company it was like very male driven even though it was a company for women mostly. It was like our first product for the first few, few years of that company's life. It was all about like women are the customer. Uh, it was a very male driven environment and company. And 
I'm very excited about the fact that I think that there is a different way to do business that's a very feminine way to do business. The feminine way of doing stuff is like, I feel like a responsibility to take care of everyone and it's just like a part of being a woman, I guess, is that we feel that kind of responsibility and that everyone to me in like business is like what we were talking about. It's like not just like our customer, once the money comes to me from the customer, like what I do with it and what all of those companies do with it. Like I care about that. And I'm going to, as a company, vote with my money, as a company stand behind my values in terms of, you know, how we treat our employees and the kind of work culture that we have. Um, and to have one that's equitable and fair to not just people of color, but also to women. Cause I feel like that's something which in the workspace isn't often very fair. Um, so to be able to create that and like, like there's the capitalist in my head that uh, sometimes is like, oh, but like, how can, how will you, and I'm just like, no, okay. I am not gonna listen to you because there is a way and it has worked for centuries, right. but just not in this way. Like we haven't figured out a way to best capitalize it. And I think there's gonna be some really fun work that we're gonna have yeah. to do, which is like trying to figure out like, okay, if there's somebody on our team that goes like, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman and you want to have like maternity or paternity leave, like you should be able to do that. And I think that that's how society should be. Um, I think that it's fair and I think it's needed. And I think that, I think it was Norway or somewhere where they like force you to take leave, whether you're a man or a woman, so that it's fair. I think that's awesome. <laughs> um, so just thinking through all of that stuff, I know we're a really tiny company, we're just two people, but I, I dream like we have 500 people. Uh, but that's like, that's the idea, the goal for where we want to go. But that's also like, like, yes, it's just us two, but like, this is where we, sh it should be starting. You know yeah, what I mean? it like, has to start now. And the thing that like, I'm always trying to remind myself of is that, and this is just kind of like overarching for our company in general, like, yes, there is a certain way that things are done and people who are in business now or who have had businesses for forever are going to tell you like, this is how things are done. And the way that you're trying to do them is not the way that they're done. But because we're two people creating our own thing, we can do things however we want to do them and we can change things however we want to change them. And I think that's something that's really important to remember for us, but for anybody, like just because someone says that this is the way that something is done, just because someone says after you peel an apple, you throw the core in the trash, that you don't have to do that. You can find something else to do with it. And I think that's just really an, an important mindset for everyone to, to have. And like just reminders <laughs> that we all need. I often tell people, and I'm a self-proclaimed feminist, and not everyone believes me because the definition of feminism, according to postmodern definitions, have been a little bit convoluted, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, view feminism as like anti-men. But that's like yeah, to me, yeah, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Like the uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he said this one day that it doesn't make sense that not everyone's a feminist because feminist literally means right. you believe in the equal treatment and the empowerment of right. women. And if you look at it from a policy realm, any countries that have strong women holding in society benefits men in the society as a whole. Mm -hmm. So it's literally a win-win <laughs> scenario, socioeconomically speaking. I, it, so it, it baffles me that people still have resistance towards that. So like I appreciate you bringing that up specifically because especially as we do this podcast, we obviously don't pick our guests based on their genders or biology. We pick for people holistically. But I think it is an important conversation to have. And from everything you have said, there's so much to unpack. And, but I do want to highlight the fact that 
like just like the guy in Ghana, he's a pioneer in this industry, right? Because no one has ever done what he did. You two are also pioneers in the industry because you guys are tackling an issue that nobody ever thought about or people thought about but didn't have the humility or the courage to proceed with it. And I think that's what separates pioneers from rest of the packs. Pioneers are people who are risk averse enough to do the calculation to make sure it's feasible, but also have the adventurous spirit to do something that's take that leap of faith, right? And it's a leap. It's not a small step. I'm sure you took a giant leap from coming from India to taking a career pivot from your personal styling to this food scientist culinary background and likewise for you. So I think that's what really separates the pioneers from the best. And that's what comes to my mind is I think that's what makes pioneers special. And of course, there is a lot of risk involved and um, not every pioneers are going to be successful. But I think if you lack that mindset, it's going to be very confinement of your future to begin with. So I like 100% can see you guys being a 500 people companies, you know, <laughs> and it will be, we'll be honored in the future. You know, like we used to interview the CEOs <laughs> and then the CEO of Hidden Gem Beverage Company and right now with the drink reveal. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And it would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.